Um, I'm really excited. Today is, is our last part, uh, part four of our four-part sermon series on relationships. And uh, what an amazing, and I didn't plan it this way, but praise God that we end our four-part sermon series on the day of Pentecost. So powerful, the significance and the connection. I'm going to start today with Pentecost. I'm going to end the day with Pentecost. It was such and still is and for centuries has been a very important day in the lives of those who believed in the living God of Yahweh. And so Pentecost is, is a word um, that we only see in the New Testament. It uh, it's actually comes from the Greek word that means 50 or 50th. As we celebrate this day, it is 50 days after Passover. And it's a day that is of real significance. We actually see this day first spoken about, and this is the beauty of God's Word and the continuity of Scripture. We see this day spoken about in Exodus. For those of you who love to take notes, it's in Exodus 23, 16, where we first hear about Pentecost, but it then was titled the Feast of Harvest. And it was a time of great rejoicing. It was a time where they went into the fields and they harvested and brought into God's storehouses and their storehouses the harvest that they had gathered and they had worked so hard for. They had sacrificed, they had brought their required sacrifices to the temple, but they had also at this time brought their tributes and their free will offerings to God as well. What a glorious time it was as they celebrated this day. And I don't want us to lose that meaning because what God did then is still applicable to us now. And so... We, we took this time and we're taking this time today to understand today this message. And you might think, well, how does Pentecost connect into our relationship? And if you will indulge me for the next 35 minutes or so, I will help you to connect the significance. It is a unified story that God has from Genesis to Revelations. It is one story. We we see it played out in multiple books and timelines, but it is one continuous story. And I thank God that he has had me be and you be a character in his great story. So today I want to talk to you in my final part of this four-part series. I want to talk to you about becoming one, the path to becoming one. And so we're going to read today, if you grab your pew Bibles today, again, even if you, unless you have an NIV, if your NIV uh, personal Bible is NIV, um, you can use that. But I want us to all be reading from the same text today. So if you don't, grab one of your pew Bibles. Again, we're on page 669. You can go ahead and grab that. We're still in the book of the Song of Solomon. And uh, we're going to read today in chapter 3 and a little bit of chapter 4. I'll give you a second. And as you're getting there, let me do a 30-second recap of the last three weeks. In week one, we saw and were introduced to the beauty of the, the characters that were in this poetry love song. We were introduced to the king, 
And we also saw the king in this story referred to as a shepherd and as a servant. We talked about that in week one. And, and we saw this, this woman, this Shulamite woman, this woman who was, as she wrote, dark but lovely. We were introduced to these characters, and we were introduced to this amazing love story and this attraction that they had. We talked about that a little bit in week one. In week two, we talked about foundational topics, foundational things when we're starting a relationship like an investment of time, the cultivating of respect, and finally, restraint. And then last week, we recapped things that produce a healthy relationship, and we talked about excitement is needed in a healthy relationship, that a healthy relationship should and must produce life. And finally, last week, that we were and would and should always have a commitment to addressing and solving problems. And so now in this week, we're going to see in scriptures, we're going to read here in a moment, and we're going to read a little bit and talk about it. We're going to read a little bit and talk about scripture some more. In today's scripture, we're finally there. We're at the wedding day. We see the wedding procession, and we see the night where the marriage is consummated in scripture, and it's beautiful. And we're going to take some time to examine this today. So I'm going to make three points from the text that I want you to pay attention to, and we're going to take some time, and we're going to go through this, and we're going to actually close today with an exciting prophetic promise that applies to all of you today. I told you I was going to take you from the beginning all the way to the end of the book, and we're going to do that in the next 30 minutes or so. And so let's get right into it. Again, make sure you have your Bibles open. The Song of Solomon. We're going to start in chapter 3 today, but before we do, let us pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for loving us enough and wanting us enough, Lord, to chase after us from the very beginning. God, I thank you this day that we don't have to live another day without you. I thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to be with us on the day of Pentecost. And I thank you that we are the benefactors of that amazing act of love today. I pray today, God, that your Holy Spirit fill us and reside amongst us today and give us great revelation of your word. So we thank you today and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I, as I was preparing for my sermon this week, you know, I, I took a lot of time to, to really think about uh, how I was going to illustrate all of this stuff and what I would do. And um, I was thinking maybe I'll do a PowerPoint or maybe I'll do this skit or maybe I'll do this and maybe I'll just entertain you in this way. And I thought maybe that would work. But you know what? I, I realized after some praying, guys, as if you just can't get excited on the Word of God, everything else is just fill. Okay? I really believe that, that if the Word of God doesn't excite you, then you're just here as a spectator, and this is just a show. And I want to tell you, I'm not here to entertain you. And so today, I want to just give you the amazing revelation of the Word, and I pray in the name of Jesus that you will find amazing joy and excitement as we examine this text today. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
Okay, so we're going to read through uh, chapter 3, and then we're going to read a few passages in chapter 4. We're going to start with the first five verses in chapter 3. Now, you'll, you'll be familiar with these first five verses because we spoke about some of these verses last week. But I want to demonstrate a different point from these very same scriptures this week. So again, reading from the Song of Solomon, chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. And so I'll read those with you. Starting in verse 1. It says, all night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. I will get up now and go about the city. Through its streets and squares, I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, but did not find him. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? Scarcely. Had I passed them, when I found the one my heart loves, I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house to the room of the one who conceived me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Amen. So verse 1 through 5, again, we touched on it a little bit last week, but I want to make a very specific point to you this week about this scripture. And the point I want to make to you at this, in this scripture is we have to count the cost. And I want, to, I want to point out a few things about this scripture that I hope you can glean from it as well. When you examine this scripture, here is a woman, we touched on this a little bit last week, who was willing to sacrifice it all. She was willing to give it all up in search for the one that she loved. She was willing to give up her safety. She was going out. A woman at night was not a safe thing to do. Going out there by herself, leaving the comfort and sacrificing the comfort of her bed was not necessarily a smart thing to do. She was willing to give up her reputation because she might, be, she might have been perceived as someone who maybe was working in those late hours, if you get my meaning. And so she was willing to give, get rid of it all. She says, none of that is important. What's important is getting to the one that I love. She was willing to sacrifice it all. And you know, when I when I examine that and I, I look at that and even in, in my own heart, I kind of realize that we live in a culture today here in America where everything is accessible. And you really don't have to do much to get things. There's no need to really sacrifice much. Think about it for a moment. If you don't believe me, if you really think about this, you literally today don't have to leave your house for anything. Think about it. Your groceries can get delivered to you. Your clothing you can order on Amazon and it'll come right to your door. You can date online. You can have a relationship online. Think about it. Information is accessible. Online education is more popular than ever. You literally don't have to leave your house for anything. There's no need to get uncomfortable. There's no need to risk anything. You could live your entire life these days as a hermit and no one would ever see you. And you would probably be just fine. You might go a little stir crazy, but you'd probably be just fine. 
But we don't have to risk anything today. Everything is just delivered to us. But this woman wasn't waiting. She counted the cost. She wasn't waiting because she knew it wasn't coming unless there was a sacrifice. And she counted the cost. She said, I just can't wait here in my bed comfortably anymore. I have to go out. I am counting the cost because it is more important to me to be one with the one that I love than to sit here in my comfort, than to sit here with my reputation intact. It's more important to me for me to give it all up and go and search for the one that I love. It would have been easier if she stayed there. It would have. It would have been easier. She didn't have to get dressed. She wouldn't have had to go and encounter these scary men, the watchmen that she encountered. She wouldn't have had to have done any of that. Have you counted the cost? What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to sacrifice for the one that you love? Now, obviously, when I say the one that you love, of course, I'm talking first and foremost about Jesus. What are you willing to give up? What comforts and things are you willing to sacrifice? What cost are you willing to pay to be with the one who first loved you so that you could love him? What are you willing to give up? And then, of course, for your husband, your wife, your, maybe your fiancé, or maybe your kids, or those who you are in covenant relationship with, what cost are you willing to pay for them? And when I look at my Lord and Savior, I see the example that he paid. I see the price that he paid. And you know what I say, beloved? There's nothing that I'm not, I'm not willing to give up because God gave up his only begotten son. But we have to count the cost. We have to weigh the cost that God paid to be united with his bride. To be united with us individually. And we have to realize and assess the prices that we're willing to pay. But let's get excited. That's a little somber, right? That's, that doesn't really get you excited. Let's talk about the wedding day. Because after this time of reflection and assessing the cost, being willing to go out and pay that price, watch what happens. Let's read in the scripture really quick here. Something beautiful happens in verse 6 of chapter 3. We're going to read 6 through 11. Again, it's on page 670. We see a beautiful wedding day that's spoken about here in this procession that takes place. Verse 6 says, Who is this coming up from the desert? Like a column of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and incense, made from all the spices of the merchant. Look, it is Solomon's carriage, escorted by 60 warriors, the noblest of Israel, all of them wearing the sword, all experienced in battle, each with his sword at his side, prepared for the terrors of the night. King Solomon made for himself the carriage. He made it of wood from Lebanon. Its posts he made of silver, its base of gold, its seats was upholstered with purple, its interior lovingly inlaid by the daughters of Jerusalem. Come out, 
O daughters of Zion, and look at King Solomon wearing the crown, and the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, the day his heart rejoiced. Hmm. You know, when I, when I look at this scripture, I see nothing but celebration, and I see nothing but joy. And in this scripture, here we see a time of great rejoicing. We see a time where the king and his bride were finally united. And it's interesting what she says in the previous set of verses as she closed. She says, I held him and I would not let him go. Watch this. Come here. This is what happens. Rosa wasn't expecting this, so I'm embarrassing her again. (laughs) And so they finally, you can hug me, it's okay. Act like you love me. Okay. (laughs) It's okay. Just act like you love me. All right. And so they find each other, and they're in each other's arms. And she says, I won't let you go. That I've paid this price, and you've paid yours. And I just don't want to let you go. I want to hold you because of what we've gone through and what we've done together and what you've done for me. And I just don't want to let you go. But the king says, wait. Now that we're together, it is time for us to be married. It is time for us to get ready for our wedding day. And he says, honey, as much as I want to hold you, it's time for you to get ready. It's time for you to put on your wedding garments and let me adorn you with my righteousness and my glory. Let me clothe you. And he sits her down. Have a seat. And the Bible talks about, you can read it. In Revelations, I told you I would, I would demonstrate today from the entirety of Scripture. And in Revelations, it's on. Yeah. In Revelations, there's a beautiful prophetic writing that I want to read to you. I'm going to have Alex read to you today that I think demonstrates what I just did. Alex, why don't you read that for everyone? Then came a voice from the throne saying, Praise our God. All you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, buddy. Thank you so much. You get to stay for a minute. And so look, watch this. There's this, amu- there's this beautiful wedding procession. They were finally joined together. And what happens is, and this is with our relationship with God and with our relationship with each other, what happens is this. 
When we find our king, when we find the one that we love, what God does is he ordains us with his beauty, his glory, and he dresses us for our wedding day. As you stand there, look, sit there looking so beautiful. Look at you. And that's what God says. Girl, you look so beautiful as he talks to his bride. But he says, wait, I'm not done. Because now that you're in my arms, I'm going to protect you. Why don't you guys come up and protect her for me? And so watch this. This is what he does. And you can stand right around her. And so in the scripture, it tells us that as they just stand around her, it says, I lifted her up on a bed. The scripture refers to a bed. And it says that she was lifted up on a bed and she was circled by men who were prepared and skilled for battle to wage war against the terrors of the night. That God says, not only will I lift you up, if you will let me embrace you, if you are willing to sacrifice the things of the world, not only will I give you safety, but I will give you comfort if you are willing to embrace me. And he says, I got, I got angels on standby ready for you to wage war on your behalf if you are only ready to become one with me. Are y'all catching this today? Amen. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, sweetheart. Yeah, you can go back now. Thank you. You look so beautiful in this, though. You want to keep it on? Yes. Yeah, sure. Amen. All right. Amen. Amen. But see, the wedding day that we have with Jesus Christ as a church, the wedding day that we have with Jesus Christ as individuals is so beautiful. And it's so sweet. And I want us to see this and be able to relish in and enjoy that sweetness in our own relationships, in our own marriages, in our own partnerships, and with our children and all of those that we love. So God can do what? If we run to him first, not our husbands and wives, if we run to him first, watch how he lifts you up. God's not saying that your marriage is going to be perfect. He's not saying your marriage isn't going to be without problems. He never said that. Marriage is probably the most difficult endeavor anyone could ever undertake. But God says, I'm going to comfort you, and I'm going to protect you if you will just hold on to me. Now, let me look at this final point in the wedding night. I'm going to read chapter 4. We're going to read the first four verses only. I'm only going to read the first four verses because I want to give you a taste in hopes that you will be hungry enough to continue to read the text after we're done today. Chapter 4 is the culmination, is the climax of this entire book. This is where the marriage is finally consummated. Now, the, contrary to popular belief, you do not consummate your marriage when you say, I do. It doesn't work that way. Consummation of marriage for us involves physical intimacy or sex. Am I doing that? Is that me? <laughs> okay. It's okay. But it involves physical intimacy. That through the act of sex, we consummate our relationship and that is the physical. But in the spiritual, how do we consummate our relationship with Jesus? 
See, with Jesus, it's, it's saying yes to him and no to everything else. It's saying yes to his sacrifice on the cross. It's saying yes to his righteousness. It's saying yes to his glory. It's saying yes to his forgiveness and all of that. Sorry, we're having a little technical difficulties here. It's all right, brother. But it's saying yes to all those things about Christ and saying no to everything else. This is how in our belief and our confession of our sins that we become one with Christ. Let's read those first few verses in chapter 4. Again, there's a lot of uh, erotic and sexual kind of imagery in this book. Again, that's not the point today. We're not going to go into all that. I encourage you to read it because it's beautiful. But we're just going to read the first few verses here, actually one through four. Watch what the lover says. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Mount Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn. Coming up from the washing each as its twin. Not one of them was alone. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. Your neck is like the tower of David built with elegance. On it hangs a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. I, I'm going to stop there. Again, I think that the, the imagery here, I might just use the mic here. All right. No? Okay. Good. You use the mic. Give me one second. All right. Sorry about that, everybody. All right. So the imagery here is very beautiful, and I just want to give you a sample of that imagery and that beauty of this, the climax of the Song of Solomon. But what's the point here in our consummation of our wedding day? See, it is this giving of ourselves. It is this sacrifice that we make and saying yes to Jesus and no to everything else that helps us to come into this relationship. And watch this. Jesus begins to compliment us. And he pushes out all the lies of the enemy. How many of you for years were lied to? And it's hard to get those lies out of your head, ladies. This is you. A lot of times you were in bad relationships in your past and you still believe some of those lies. And when your man tells you, honey, you're beautiful, your lips are like scarlet ribbon and he gives you these beautiful compliments and, and you just won't believe him. But Jesus says, you are beautiful and I'm excited to be with you. I'm excited to be in the inner chamber with you. We talked a lot about the inner chamber in this series. And Jesus says, now that we are in the inner chamber together, my beloved, it's time. See, God wants togetherness today. He wants us to be in oneness and togetherness with our spouses and our fellow man. 
that God wants unity. And it's been this way and it's been how God has wanted it and how God still wants it today. God wants unity. He wants togetherness first with him. Again, the the vertical and he wants the togetherness horizontally. And we see it at the cross. It was God's plan from the very beginning for us to be together. A man and a woman in covenant relationship with him and with each other. I'll tell you what I mean. And again, I want to walk you really quick through scripture about how God wanted us to be together from the very, very, very beginning. In Genesis, it says that God walked amongst our midst in Genesis. In Deuteronomy, it said that God dwelt in the temple in the holy place among us. In the Gospels, it said that God incarnate lived among us. And at the day of Pentecost, God now lives within us. It was God's purpose from the beginning. But listen, beloved, we broke it. We broke it. We, man, broke the covenant relationship with God. And God says, you know what, guys? I don't want to leave it broken. It's not my intention to leave it or you broken. That I want to make this thing complete. I want to make this thing whole. And I want a relationship with you. If you will just receive me today. And so I want to close today with two readings. Why don't you turn to the book of Revelations for me? Go to, and this is an amazing prophetic promise. I want to read from Revelations chapter 21, where that's nearly the end of the book. It's nearly it, guys. You see how God wants you? You see how he wants to be with you? Watch this beautiful imagery. This is a promise that God makes us here. And this is one that's yet to be fulfilled, and I know someday will be. I'm going to start in verse 1 of Revelations 21. You know, as I, as I read this, it's, uh, I'm filled with tears of, and emotions of joy for this beautiful promise. Let's read this together. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth from the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God he will wipe every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain or the for the older for the old order rather of things has passed away he who is seated on the throne said i am making everything new and then he said write this down for these words are trustworthy and true verse 6 god says he said to me it's done i am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end to him who is thirsty I will give him drink without cost 
from the spring of the living water. He who overcomes will inherit all of this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Thank you, God, today for showing us and showing your people, everyone, you got to catch this. God doesn't want you to be broken. He wants you to be one. He wants you to be one with him and one with each other. If you can endure, if you can persevere, I need y'all to catch this. He says, I'm going to make everything brand new. Then I'm going to wipe away every tear, every pain. I'm going to erase every hurt. If you will just be one with me, if you will just endure. Eric, would you come up and play us a soft melody, please? We're going to read as we close. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate you. You know, there are only two wedding songs in all of Scripture. One is in the Song of Solomon, which we just read. And the other is in Psalms 45. And I want to read that today. But before I do, I want to make the altar available for you guys. And I want to open this up. If you're struggling today in your oneness and in your relationship with God, I want to invite you up. If you're struggling in your oneness with your relationship with your spouse or maybe a family member, I invite you up. Please don't be prideful. Please bring your problems to the cross. I want to invite you up today and want to open the altar as we close because I want to pray over you. I want to reach God's word of life over you. If that's you today, will you be courageous enough to come up? If that's you today, and I know there's some people in the audience, I know there is, because so many of you call me about your relationships. Yeah, I do. I get a lot of phone calls about your relationships. And I know there are, there are a number of you in here that are hurting in your relationship with God. You're hurting in your relationship with your husband or your wife. You're not sure what's next. And you're not sure where to turn. But today, you have an opportunity to bring it before God and lay it at the cross. Will you be courageous enough Will you be vulnerable enough before the church to say, yes, I'm one of those people today? If that's you, you can make your way up right now. There's no shame in it. It's okay. There's no shame in it. If it's you, you can come on up. And just bring it before God. I know we got other stuff to do, but this is important, guys. This is important. This is way more important than the other stuff because God wants to bring a healing right now. God wants to work in some lives right now. God just wants to bring some just great 
just healing in the name of Jesus. He wants you to release your pride. He wants you to release all of your struggles. He wants you to surrender your marriage. He wants you to surrender your relationship with your children. He wants you to surrender it all so that you could be unified with him and married to him in the Holy Spirit. It's okay, guys. If that's you, I'll give you a couple more minutes. Come on up because I believe that God is calling you right now. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you so much. God, thank you for touching their hearts and moving them, God. Lord, thank you for revealing to us so much in the Song of Solomon and in your scripture, in the entirety of your word. Come on, it's okay, family. We're family, okay? We are family. And if we cannot be vulnerable here, where are we going to be vulnerable? If we can't say, I'm hurting. If we can't say that I don't know. If we can't say these things in church, where can we say them? Thank you, Lord, for these souls today that are before your throne. They're coming to you, God. They're not coming up here for me, Lord. They're coming for you.